I'm Lindsay with Wild Root Flower Company. And I'm Shannon from Bloom Hill Farm. Over the last six years, we've leaned on each other as we grew our farms into the profitable six-figure farms they are today. We want you to join us each week as we have real, honest conversations about life and business. And we promise you'll leave feeling inspired and your farming toolbox will be filled with actionable strategies you can implement at any stage in your business. Learn from our mistakes as we talk business, marketing, and growing techniques to help you create the farm of your dreams. So let's roll up our sleeves and get the dirt on flowers. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Dirt on Flowers. It's Friday, the sun is shining. Yes, we've had so much sun. We have. I love it. I'm like a new woman. I know. I even showered today. (laughs) Me too. Me too. I know. I had a couple people, I've gotten messages on them before, like a DM that says like, I love how you just like show up however. And I'm like, does that mean like... I don't look like I've showered because I probably haven't, you know, but I'm like, I'll, t- I'll take it as a compliment either. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But I did think of that today when I put my little fancy button up on. So showered just for, I, our, for I our guests today. I tell you, that sunshine is just like, it's so good for the psyche, for the mental state, mm-hmm. everything. It's good for the flowers. I, honestly, I think everything just like basks in it when it's here. I mean, I could take like 35 and sun all day every day yeah maybe if it stayed cool like it's gonna get 60 and then it was like 23 here last night and then it's gonna be 60 (laughs) like I always just think like the plants are freaking out so it causes me to freak out a little bit too so yeah I get that well the last couple weeks we've been talking about high tunnels and we're still at it today so we've talked about you know do you want one what should you get what the heck do you Mm -hmm. put in the thing once you get it we've had a lot of good questions too and I think we're still We're talking about maybe even doing one more to round it out. We'll see. But today we're talking to, I think, the real experts in growing in high tunnels, which are my (laughs) dear friends, Matt and Tracy Perriman of Tracy Ray Farmer Florist. Tracy, Matt, welcome. Thanks, guys. Yeah. I didn't even have to bribe you to come on the show. I figured when I uh, (laughs) asked you, I was like, oh, she's, I'm going to have to, I'm going to pay for this to get her on here. But she said, yeah, they would do it. So I'm glad you guys are here. (laughs) We'll see. We might have to give you a hard time so you don't ask us back. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's not true. I've learned a ton from, we actually met uh, Tracy and Matt at the same, or Tracy, I think, I don't know if Matt was there at the same Ohio flower farmer meetup, Mm -hmm. the same time I met you, Shannon. So we've been friends for a lot of years. They are also my little brother's age. Okay, so they rip on me as if they are my little brother. So I've taken some abuse over the years, but I've also learned a ton. So I just keep them around. Yeah. But yeah, they great, great friends and a wealth of knowledge with growing the high, within high tunnels. So why don't you just tell us, I guess, about your farm, your background. Trace, I know you've got a horticulture background. So why don't you tell everybody sort of like about your farm and how you got started? Yeah, so the first year that we grew flowers was actually for our wedding in 2011. And I went to school for horticulture. And so I don't know, I just got this idea that we could grow some of the flowers for our wedding and that that would be fun. So that's what we did. And it was and it was a big learning experience. I went into it. I wanted to have tons of dahlias by July 23rd, which was obviously (laughs) um, not going to happen. So, you know, we had a few. I think each bridesmaid had like one dahlia in their bouquet and I had like a few. Now we could have pulled it off if we had a high tunnel then. 
That's yeah. true. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if only we had a high total <laughs> But yeah, so then after that, we just like kept growing, dabbling in flowers. I kind of thought maybe I wanted to be a market gardener and start a CSA, but I had a full-time job. I was a extension agent for the University of Kentucky for four and a half years. And I just kind of used that time to really learn about growing, to just absorb as much information as I could. I went to a lot of conferences and whenever there was a flower talk, I would attend those. And so, yeah, I think that after we kind of started feeling a little bit more confident about our growing capabilities, we started looking for a farm. And so then in 2015, November of 2015, we found our place where we're at now. It's just two acres fenced in with our house and our barns and everything. And so, yeah, then we just kind of started going from there. Yeah. Um, just quickly, my background. Uh, we've been together since high school, so went through college together and everything. Oh, uh, I didn't know that. Yeah. That's yeah. adorable. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I have a pharmacy background, so there's a lot of the a surprising amount of overlap between you know her horticultural classes and my you know classes that I'd have. I mean, biochem's biochem, and so I've been able to help out in a lot of ways along you know the whole journey. So when we moved here in 2015, it was uh, she gave up her day job and we went for this full time. She went for this full time. Yeah. You, cool. you got you got some skin in the game too. I I see you out there quite a bit. So yeah, not as much as I used to be, but uh, yeah. yeah, I was definitely more so with the infrastructure initially. But yeah, yeah, he really gets into all that, which is why I wanted to bring him in for this chat, especially for you know getting into talking about heating and that stuff. But I guess you want us to talk about just like the setup of the farm and yeah, yeah. So I guess just. So. Well, yeah, just talk a little bit about like where you like where are you guys located so that people can know that. And then just also like what are some of the ways they can sell? Because I think sometimes it's helpful when you're listening to somebody talking to like to to compare. Not we always say don't compare yourself, but you really do want to know like what yeah. does my market compare yeah. like to theirs and all that. So just talk a little bit about like where you're located and ways you sell. Yeah. So we're about 50 minutes outside of the city of Cincinnati, as well as about the same distance from Dayton, Ohio. You know, we can kind of go in either direction. We're in a very small rural town. We're in Midland, Ohio. I had never heard of it until we found our place and moved out here. That's kind of where we're located. And then as far as the setup of our farm, we've got uh, two 30 by 96 high tunnels. And then we've got a little propagation house where we start all of our transplants, which I always, what is the size 32 of by 16. <laughs> and mm. then... Um, we've got a couple of field spots here at our home. And then we're located just a mile down the road from um, my in-laws have some land down the road. There's like, there were no utilities or anything there. And so over the last few years, we've kind of been expanding over there and we do a lot of um, field production, but we also have two unheated tunnels over on that piece of property too, where we're growing and we've got like our peonies and perennials and things over there as well. But our big project for the spring is finally getting um, city water hooked up in those yeah. tunnels. We got the spigot. We got the tap. The now tap. we just need to run the lines. Yeah. yeah, the oh, tap yeah. last yeah. summer. That's good. It's so, those projects take so long. I feel like I have so many of those, those projects I look at. I just like things that I've wanted to do since 
21 or 22 and it's like man it's just some of that stuff just takes so long yeah I feel like yeah so now we're going into year nine of growing and other than that I feel like most of our infrastructure projects I mean I don't think you're ever done but a lot of the big stuff that we've you know wanted to complete we finally completed it but it's taken that long to Mm -hmm. kind of get everything going and financially and just and it's also like I feel like it takes that long to understand how you want to use your property too Mm -hmm. you know I mean like we're looking to add another cooler right now and my hang-up is like where do I put it that makes the most sense so that it you know because you you're investing in something that's so permanent like that where Mm -hmm. where do you put it that is is the makes the most sense and even after eight years it's like man I don't still, I'm still trying to sort out what that particular spot would be. Tell everybody sort of like the ways that you sell. Cause I feel like you have a unique business model too, with like the retail space now that you added and what you do. So yeah, we do about, I guess, 40% of our business now is weddings. And then I'd say the other 60% is a makeup of retail and wholesale. And so for our retail, um, my husband purchased a pharmacy three years ago, I guess you've had it now, Matt. Yeah. So this is going to be our fourth year selling in that space. So that's kind of been fun. We pretty much just kind of dropped a farmer's market and started incorporating bouquets at the pharmacy. I put in a little flower cooler and we sell all sorts of different house plants and and things. And then I've added a spot on my website where you can like pre-order an arrangement for pickup. So I just call it like an everyday arrangement and I've got three different price points. And so people can go online and we just ask for at least like 24 hours notice. And so they can place an order for an arrangement and then it'll be at the shop waiting for them. Oh, that's cool. I've been in that space like several times. So I was there before you even got it started. And then just like the progression, I'm excited to come back over this year and see it too. Cause it's so, it's so cute. All the house plants. I mean, you wouldn't think you're like thinking about a pharmacy right now in your head and being like, really, how does that work? But it's, it's the cutest little, I mean, it's, you've made just such a, a sweet little space out of it too. So I think it, I think you do a really good job. Yeah. It's that. been fun to see kind of the evolution with that because like at first it was like just um, like farmer's market customers and people that knew me from that area coming in just for flowers. But I think there's been a shift over the last couple of years and Matt has a lot of customers that, you know, it's just like they see the flowers every time they come in to pick up their prescriptions. So now, you know, yeah. they purchase it and it's just like through word of mouth you know, things have kind of grown there. So, and then, yeah, we do, we still do one farmer's market that's on Thursday afternoons, four to seven. And then we sell occasionally to florists, but then kind of our bulk of our wholesale is going to a small grocery store chain in the Dayton area. And so they've got three different stores and yeah, we sell quite a few bouquets to them every week. Very cool. Yeah. So I know we talked about, you know, in previous episodes, different types of high tunnels, where we put them. Just can you walk us through like what your specific tunnel situation looks like, how big, how many, and how you create can create four seasons of flowers with utilizing your tunnels? Yeah, I'll jump in on that. So at our the house we purchased um, with a small farm with two acres, there was a pretty obvious location that was um, just field space for us to put our tunnels in. Do you want to go? I'm going to help the uh, 
help the baby boy for a minute. Yeah, that's fine. There's if you can hear a little boy in the background, that's part of that's part of farming and having yes. a family. You got a Luke, little Luke in the background. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. keep going, Matt. <laughs> so we had a we had a good spot to put two tunnels that we built, and we had the Mennonites build in November of 2016. And they're next to each other. If I could do it again, I would space them apart a little further. They're heated. We don't have to worry about the snow <laughs> yes. load that I know some people may have had issues with. Uh, but where that came into play with us was when we had a we had a drainage issue. So we had to put tile down the middle, and there was a lot of hand shoveling or hand packing and yeah. gravel because we did not leave it wide enough for heavy equipment to go through. So that would be one thing I do different there, and then kind of adjacent to one of our barns, we have the propagation house and it has been uh, structured pretty nice as far as when we, a year later, when we decided to add heat, the wood furnace, the outdoor wood boiler is, you know, it's near the propagation tunnel, but then, you know, we got two lines running off to each of the high tunnels that the 30 by 96 that we heat with that firewood. And do you heat both tunnels or just one? Yes. The, all of them. Uh, we initially started with just the propagation house in one tunnel. And then a year or two later, we were like, yeah, this makes mm-hmm. it. It's so much better. So we pulled heat over to the second tunnel too. Yeah. So talk about like that growing process a little bit. I know that's like a huge like question, I guess, to answer, but I mean, I guess you're using those tunnels every single season. You have something in them constantly that's producing you flowers, correct? It's definitely most intense in the, I mean, she plants, she succession plants through the, you know, starting in September, October. And then, so everything's going through the spring. I mean, pretty much up till Mother's Day into May. Yeah. It's really intense. And then we flip it over to the summer, which at least from my perspective, it seems like the the tunnels are a lot less intense for us for summer growing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Walk us through like how you flip beds in your tunnel, like throughout the season, like sort of what does that process look like? So maybe start from, maybe start from September or fall time and then work us back through to that same point. What's that look like? Yeah. So this year, I think we are doing four different successions of ranunculus, all like two to four weeks apart from each other. So yeah, I started that, I think the first succession like maybe last week of September. And so we're already harvesting some blooms, mostly just anemones, but I think we'll have ranunculus probably in the next two weeks that we'll be harvesting a decent amount. So um, yeah, we succession those. And so our high tunnels are 10 rows and they're four foot wide with two foot walkways. And We've got one row of eucalyptus that I think is on its like fourth season. Did we say being overheated in the greenhouse, which we're able to cut on it year round. But generally this time of year, we kind of cut it back and then just like let it, let it reflush. But then other than that, it's generally like two rows of anemones and the rest are ranunculus because we just find that, you know, we're always able to sell ranunculus. The more we can grow, the better. So we'll have those in the tunnel until pretty much Mother's Day. Probably in March, we have to put shade cloth over them. Mm-hmm. Uh, to, mm-hmm. When it starts getting hot out, we'll throw a shade cloth up and then take it down as soon as we were. Yeah, so that kind of helps extend like those last 
couple successions of ranunculus. And then after those come out, then it's just kind of like various different summer crops that are going in. My favorites for the tunnel are status, lysianthus, probably asters, but we'll do like some celosia in there and just kind of like a mix of different things. I like paper daisies one that I kind of like to have maybe, I don't know, eight or 10 feet of, and then Mm -hmm. we'll do stock as well, kind of in between some of the successions of ranunculus and anemones. So like I had stock in there and was harvesting that over the last uh, couple months. And then once that came out, then another round of ranunculus like went in behind it. It's it's really incredible too, the difference you see between certain field crops and crops in the tunnel. Yeah. Uh, you've got like Lysianthus, for example, we grew that outside one year and it's just such a night and day difference for Lysies in a tunnel. Yeah. Um, same thing for status. Status so. is nuts in a tunnel. Like it's, I know yeah. everybody says that. Cause I mean, we cut, I caught on it. It's, it's probably one of my, most like you know as a filler it's sort of those insignificant flowers but i use it all the time it has a great bouquet you know bouquet life and we cut on it from spring all the way through fall like we tear it out we just it's non-stop in there something yeah to use. and it, yeah. as far as the mechanics of flipping we're i'm a big fan of the bcs line you know the tiller yeah. or implements so i mean we sickle bar something down i mean she'll have especially you know she'll divide a row up into four or five segments so i can get in there and cut out 20, 30 feet, whatever, go in there. We use, we don't use a tiller attachment. We have a power harrow, but, you know, turn that dirt over and she can put in, you know, whatever she's got a flat or two of, you know, in the propagation tunnel ready to go. How, um, how long are you getting ranunculus in the season? If you're doing four successions, like if you're planning in September, how long are you able to cut into? Cause I know you get to a certain point and it's like, well, it's, it's too hot for them. So is the benefit for your four successions that you're getting them earlier in that heated space, obviously, but are you getting them any mm-hmm. later? I don't think really later, maybe a little bit, but yeah, it's mostly Marginal. just earlier. Yeah. And I just really think the quality of the blooms and the stem length is like crazy heated. Yeah, your stem length unheated. is envious. Like for, yeah, for anemones and ranunculus, like... I only have to bend, like, I feel like I barely have to bend over to, like, pick ranunculus uh, well, because it's so tall. But, you yeah, damn it's, show um, off. <laughs> so, it really, I mean, they do get smushed together towards the end of the season. Like, mm-hmm. it's like as that first one's fading out completely, it's like you might be picking from flush two, three, and four all at the same time. But it's gotcha. yeah, because once the heat gets there, like, we can extend it a little with the shade cloth and we have mm-hmm. the six foot sidewalls so you know get that air going and you know we recently were just able to add ventilation with um with the early season with the heated ranunculus are you growing other like complementary flowers in the tunnels that you can make bouquets or is the goal just to do straight bunch ranunculus with the heat like how are you selling those and marketing those the early blooms are you charging more i think a lot of people would be interested to hear like okay if i have heated space like can i still do mixed bouquets or what does that look like from your perspective yeah, so we mostly sell straight bunches of ranunculus anemones, and I'd say like once April comes, then I'll start mixing. Like for the grocery store, yeah. I'll do ranunculus anemones and tulips. Or you know, if I have some stock, I can add in some stock or some paper daisy or something like that. But for the most part, we're just doing straight bunches of ranunculus. Mm-hmm. You were doing some mixed stuff. Like I saw you had straw flower. At one point, like I felt like you had straw flower late 
Yeah, that was the first time I've ever done that is like generally I'm like, just get it all out of the tunnel. Like, let's clean it out. But yeah, I'm definitely kind of trying to experiment more with like the year round. So Mm -hmm. in the past, we've kind of just cleaned the tunnels out, like, you know, killing frost end of October. And then it's like we start planting the anemones and the ranunculus, which I did that, but I kind of did it a little bit more methodically, like just cleaning out a row at a time. And then like some of the stuff that was still producing, like the straw flower, I decided to leave in the tunnel uh, this season. And so, yeah, it was cool because for Thanksgiving, I had, you know, some bouquets that had like some celosia and straw flower. So that was yeah. neat. And then we did stock, which I've never done it. I don't know, I guess you want to say that late before in the fall. And so we've been harvesting on that. I will say that sunlight kind of seems to be, you know, an issue as far as like everything's been a lot slower. You know, typically I feel like you can harvest um, stock over two weeks, whatever you plant, and then it's like done. But Mm -hmm. I feel like it's been stretching on for maybe like six weeks or so. So it's not like a huge harvest. Mm-hmm. And then same thing with kind of our experiment of anemones. I think I should have done a whole row. I think I've got a little bit less than a half row. So it's like we're making some bouquets every week, but we could be doing a lot more. So that's mm-hmm. kind of been, you know, a fun experiment this year to yeah. see kind of what the possibility is for the future. Well, I planted my fall stuff. I, you and I were talking about this, Tracy, where we're this off-season income where I feel like when you don't have flowers – when people can get flowers and they normally can't get fresh flowers, they're more hungry for it, you know, because we're, we are in these, like, it's dark. They want that bright, that dopamine hit and the flowers give that for them. So I planted those, the stock in the fall and ended up having it that hit like perfectly for Thanksgiving. I couldn't get a single florist to buy it, but every, all my customers wanted it, you know? So Mm -hmm. talk about like, how you guys decided, like what led you to decide to heat a tunnel space? Because to me, I'm like, I could list off and we're going to talk about pros and cons. I'm going to ask you about it here in a second. But like, what made you decide that you wanted to to heat that space? The real Kickstarter that that was, so we, when we purchased our house, it like the heating and cooling system, like for our teeny tiny little farmhouse could like barely keep up. So that first winter, like I hardly wanted to get out of bed, like on the coldest days because our house <laughs> yeah. was just so damn cold. Yeah. So we kind of started looking at alternatives and Matt's parents heat with a wood stove. And so like Matt's dad's just always been a huge proponent of that. So we kind of decided that that was the route that we wanted to go with it. And also kind of looking ahead to the future, we're like, if we do put in an outdoor burning stove, then we probably can heat our greenhouses with that as well as our home. So yeah, after we decided, you know, to utilize the wood heat because that was, you know, I did quick math and I mean, you see, it was the most cost-effective option per BTU for us. You know, that was something we had access to plenty of virtually unlimited wood. You know, it was just a matter of putting the labor in. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a really good option for you know, minimally heating the tunnels, keeping them above, keeping them above freezing, you know, except on those coldest nights because that first uh, year when we had the tunnel, you know, you'd walk out and you'd see those your beautiful ranunculus plant that you've been watching for four months and the whole thing's just covered in ice. (laughs) Oh, I remember this. I feel like you guys have definitely worked through this process because I remember like the first year and you guys feeling like you couldn't leave and then you needed to, I think you've had solutions. You've found solutions for that. But like, I remember (laughs) thinking, 
I am never hating a tunnel because like you guys look, <laughs> it seems so stressed. So, you know, because it was like, you are, you're, you're babying these plants and then you go out and they're like, you know, the, the wood heat couldn't keep up. Is that right? Is that what was happening? Well, that basically, so how we have it set up, the most we can add is about 20 degrees uh, to the tunnels. Just because, I mean, you can only, you can only heat a plastic structure so well. Yeah. So basically as long as it's above, 10 degrees, the boiler is fine. But those single digit nights and all the plants are really tolerant of frost. I mean, they could freeze solid mm -hmm. and they're fine when it thaws, but still, you know, that was only ever short durations of being frozen solid. Yeah. So like, you know, obviously you can really successfully grow ranunculus and anemones in an unheated structure, which is what we did for the first couple years. But yeah, so it's like once you start heating and you get to the, you get the flowers to a certain point you know, if they freeze, they could really be hurt. Yeah, you would, you would kill all the buds if you got below a certain temperature. Yeah, freezes before the buds set is not really an issue. But yeah, once there's the petals, that's, you know, mm -hmm. that that ends the game. Yeah, so that kind of was an issue that we definitely had to work through with the wood heat, which is why eventually we ended up adding um, propane as another supplemental. So we mainly burn wood, but then on those coldest nights that the boiler can't keep up, we have the propane as a backup, and that's really made that's our nice. life a lot easier. Yeah. That's <laughs> so, how you sleep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we can leave now because okay. we can yeah. just like turn off the stove and burn propane. It costs a lot more, and it kind of yeah. hurts to think about it, but that option is there. Yeah. And, yeah, so we just know that – Or when you have a newborn in – you don't want to go load a wheelbarrow of wood into the fire at four hours oh, yeah. because you've hardly been asleep. Burn propane. He's just like, you can roll back over and go, oh, the propane's got it. Yeah. Um, now, if we were in a spot that had um, natural gas, that would be the best. If, if you have, if you have a access to that, you know, that from everything I've seen is by far the most cost effective, but that's not an option where we live. Mm -hmm. So wood and propane yeah. do it. Wood preferentially, but. And then there's also just the redundancies of, you know, when you've got that kind of an investment in crops, you know, the, uh, something could happen. Something could go out on the boiler. Um, you know, there's a lot of moving parts. Mm -hmm. So if one thing shuts down, you know, and it's 10 degrees outside, you want to know you have a backup system. Yeah. So, okay, you decided you wanted to do heat in the tunnels. Like what, what's that process look like if someone was wanting to add heat to their tunnel like what is that i know you talked about the different ways to heat but like what would the process be to start if that's what they wanted to do first thing is find out what system is right for your situation and i would almost always say that's natural gas if you have access to it now there is you know i will say burning wood is the most environmentally friendly option so if that is something that's really a big motivator to you then wood would be the number one mm -hmm. choice but the wood is also the most labor intensive mm -hmm. even if you pay somebody to deliver the wood and stack it in your you know your area like there's still you got to go out there every night and load the furnace you know that's yeah. a uh, not something you have to do you know with propane or natural gas you set the thermostat and make sure your tank's full or if it's on the city line then yeah you know, hopefully that's never empty yeah mm -hmm. so that would be the i mean the first thing is see that and then it's basically look at you know figure out what your costs are going to be you can there's calculators out there figure out what your btu inputs what's your expected low temperature average temperature how much degrees are you going to have to add 
how many BTUs is that? How many BTUs do you get per gallon of fuel? What's the cost on that over the year? Divide that by the number of rows. And it's like, so you come out with, oh, I need to generate $900 per row. Mm -hmm. You know, if I can do that, it makes sense. If I can't do that, it doesn't. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. So you kind of go through that calculation. And are you using double plastic? Like you have an inflator without you're using. Yeah. yeah. So that would need to be converted and you'd have to have electric and all of that, obviously in your tunnels. But yeah, I've even seen, like we talked about in one of them, like can petition off, like Yoder's was saying that you could do a partial space only heated. So you could do just like a smaller part of your tunnel versus, you know, the, the full thing, whether you were going to do for like seed starting or whatever. A lot of them do that for tomatoes. Okay. Like the Mennonite Amish. They'll petition off like a part of it to do that. Yeah. And okay. I mean, you definitely, you can, obviously that would decrease your, your input cost. Yeah. You just got to see, see where the numbers make sense for you mm-hmm. or, you know, how, you know, how realistic is it that I can, you know, sell $5,000 of flowers? Cause you know, we're not grain farmers. You don't get to, mm-hmm. it's not like everything's automatically sold. You know, it's not like you grow this many bushels and you know, they're going to take it at the grain elevator. It's yeah. with flowers, you have to grow the amount. And then it's, I have to figure out how to outlet this. Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of gambles and risks and, you know, that generally start small and grow into it. But I mean, if you think you can make it work, you know, we've heating the tunnels has worked great for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are you still doing weddings, Tracy? Like, do you still take weddings on and earlier than you normally would because you have the flowers in the heated tunnel too, or? Not a whole lot, just because there isn't the variety of blooms there. Yeah. So yeah, I still say that kind of March is the earliest that I like to take weddings. Which I mean, without tunnel, if we were just doing field grown, like yeah. March would be unimaginable. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And are you charging more for those bunches? So I guess, how are you making up that cost other than just having flowers to sell when you normally wouldn't? Are you charging a higher bunch price because it comes out of the heated tunnel? Or are you just saying, I, I'm earning income when I wasn't going to be earning income and that's, or how does that look? Seems like it leans in nicely with spring flowers or just the high dollar flowers. Yeah. Yeah. It's premium. Yeah. I definitely feel like I've kind of adjusted my prices a little Mm -hmm. bit to um, take that into account, but Mm -hmm. yeah, it's just, honestly, it is nice to have that income, you know, earlier in the season. So yeah, I feel like we're easily getting ranunculus, you know, Mm -hmm. four to six weeks earlier than you know an unheated structure Mm -hmm. you would be and then yeah just with kind of like the experimenting this year I think that we really will be able to produce flowers year-round you know in some capacity it's definitely going to be you know a lot less but and I think the reason why I haven't really pushed it as much in the past is because I just haven't had like a retail outlet Mm -hmm. that I felt like would support that. Whereas now with having our little flower shop inside of the pharmacy, it's okay to just have, you know, 15 or 20 bunches at a time to sell Mm -hmm. something. Whereas, you know, that wouldn't make, that wouldn't have made sense for me before with being an hour outside of the city to, Mm -hmm. to sell those otherwise. You don't feel like people burn out on them, do you? Like the ranunculus at all? I Because we talk about that. We've talked about that with tulips. Like you feel like they get to a max where they're like, they're kind of tired of seeing them. That doesn't really happen with ranunculus, does it? I don't think so. I think like yeah. ranunculus is just this elite flower that I j- just feel like as long as you have it or as much as you have it, you can sell it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, I, I do kind of think they're, 
there isn't anything else quite like that because Mm -hmm. it's just Matt and I will talk about just like the struggle with like all the summer flowers. You just have, you know, there's an influx of growers and everybody's growing the zinnia and everybody's, you know, Mm -hmm. growing celosia and whatever. And it's like bouquets can look, you know, very similar, Mm -hmm. I think from Mm -hmm. grower to grower. And it's just like a harder sell at farmer's market or anywhere trying to sell your summer flowers. Mm -hmm. And I just feel like we don't have that in spring. There's a lot less competition. The flowers also last longer. I mean, like ranunculus, two weeks in a vase, like you can't beat that. Yeah. And so like, that's always a good introduction for us, like to new customers. Yeah, for sure. People people will find us and start buying the flowers in spring and then they like really get hooked on them. So that does kind of help carry us through you know, those months where it's a little harder to push the flowers. As a differentiator, I mean, having flowers before anyone else, like as a market gardener, if you've got tomatoes before anyone else, you're going to get those customers into your booth. Yeah. If we've got flowers, you're going to get interest. And then if you Mm -hmm. do right by people, then ideally they're going to stick with you through the season. And, you know, if all else is the same between your sunflowers and someone else's, you know, hopefully they've got that background with you. Mm-hmm. And I was, you know, from just seeing how stuff sells at the shop sale, flower sales before mother's day, almost always sell out. You know, mm-hmm. it's people can't get enough of it after mother's day. you got to work a lot harder to sell bouquets, the same size, you know, just as pretty, but yeah. it's a lot more work to make that sale. So the, the pre mother day flower sales are just, it's a lot better. Yeah. I feel like it probably just even elevates your brand too. Yeah. It's it's just, yeah, it's just like a a differentiator, you know, when from other farms, which is really being the first to market anything is always good. So talk about like the pros and cons, just break down pros and cons of the heated space for me. Cause I feel like, I mean, obviously we've talked about a lot of the pros, but are the things that we've talked that we haven't mentioned that are benefits or things that you should look at as like, yeah, you should take this into consideration. One of the biggest pros is it's a lot easier to get out of bed and go work in the tunnel if it's Oh, that's so true. No doubt. You know, if you're seeing your breath in the tunnel, you don't want to be in there long. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, not that and I, I've true. stepped away from that a lot lately. But, uh, <laughs> so, but it's, um, I mean, yeah, it's just, it's a lot more comfortable, but it's also more comfortable for the bugs and pests. You know, we've got a lot more insect issues a lot earlier. You know, voles and mice tend to congregate in your nice heated tunnels because why wouldn't you? If you could sleep in a a 20 degree degree cornfield or a 40 degree, you know, (laughs) paradise, they're going to pick the tunnel every time. So, you know, there there is more pest issues that require more monitoring and humidity levels. Mm-hmm. can fluctuate. I mean, sometimes depending on humidity and if the sun comes out and the clouds come up, cover it, it'll actually like start to rain almost in the tunnel where the condensation, mm-hmm. you know, will appear on the roof. And then all of a sudden this ice cold water is dropping down on you. So there is potential for disease issues there that you wouldn't yeah. otherwise have to deal with. And you're managing that with like venting, um, fans, mm-hmm. things like that now. Yeah. On nice sunny days, going out and rolling up the sides sort of yeah. thing getting that airflow. Yeah. I think as far as like the labor and management of it, in some ways it kind of balances out because with the unheated, like I feel like you're covering stuff with frost cloth all the time and then taking it, you know, you're putting it on, you're taking it off, you know, you're doing, you know, you're still doing all that ventilation type of stuff. Mm -hmm. So, 
yeah, I think before we had the propane, it was more stressful and, you know, more work. But now I feel like it's just kind of become routine. And I don't really think it's any more management than, you know, it would be if we were not heated and we were dealing with that frost cloth and all that stuff. Yeah, having that backup heat system was huge because we got that when we had Luke because we needed the freedom to be not so tied to it. And that's yeah. now it's like if we're out to dinner and the fire goes out, it's not a big deal. The propane's got it. We'll build the fire back up and it's good. So that, I mean, that to touch on that again, because it, it's until you can put two heat systems in, you know, there may be some, or if you're using wood solely, it's, it's mm-hmm. still going to be stressful. Yeah. Did I ask you if you're putting ranunculus in unheated tunnels still? Like, do you have them over at the other property? Are you still doing unheated over there? No, I'm not. I may do that again once we get the spigots in there. I think Mm -hmm. I would consider doing one late unheated succession in that tunnel, in one of those tunnels. But yeah, this year I didn't. I haven't the last couple of years. Okay. Yeah, I was just curious. I I knew water was an issue for you guys over there with that, but yeah. um, (laughs) That's a really so, good point, though, about the uncovering and covering. I wouldn't have thought of that as a sort of a wash with the labor. What were I don't say, miss Shan? that job. Oh, yeah. listen, oh. I haven't had to do it because I can't. I have like lifting restrictions, but I just did it for the first time yesterday with Elizabeth. And I I, I said, I'm going to have to do this one handed. So I was just thinking like <laughs> I'm one handed pulling. She's tugging on the other end and I'm like walking. So anyway. It was, I, I did it, but I, they have done it all for me all winter long. So super grateful awesome. for that, but yeah. Yeah. And then I feel like there's also just like a few really cold nights. If you're not heating that you still have to put in like a little like portable propane heater, you know, if it, if it's going to negative yeah. 16 or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Last year when we got down to negative 20 or whatever it was, it's like, you know, we'd have had to, on a normal time, it's like we'd have done probably a couple layers of frost cloth and yeah, put yeah. a torpedo yep. burner in there or something like that. It's a lot easier to handle those nights now. So wh- what advice would you give? Like if someone says, okay, I, I know I want to add heat to my tunnel, what would what would be like the number one piece of advice that you would give for them to go forth and do that? I think that like they need to be pretty confident with winter growing before adding heat. So like, mm-hmm. you know, have a pretty successful year or two of growing ranunculus anemones, like those high dollar crops Mm -hmm. and, you know, if they're successful with that and then they want to, you know, extend the season by adding, you know, heating. It's, it's not a small investment. I mean, I think wood, you know, with the initial layout, I mean, we, cause we had to bring out water and electric too. I mean, that was probably 20 grand or so. And then, I mean, even when he had all the systems set up, adding in propane was, yeah, we probably spent mm-hmm. 10. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, so they're not small investments. It's like she said, you should have a, a successful business model. I want to just start year one with, you know, I'm going to do this. Yeah. yeah. And having a customer base to support it. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, I think it shows you that it, it does make financial sense if you, you know, if you're running the numbers to do it and you can have that income where you're not losing those customers. Because I think sometimes I feel like anyway, where just as a seasonal business, it's hard to always feel like you're constantly staying connected with that customer, you know? So for us this year, having tulips way earlier, having them, you know, in the end of January, starting to sell them for Valentine's day to me, I was like, that's a win. Cause I sold them to them at Christmas time. And I basically didn't have anything in January and then starting back in February. So for me, I'm like, I keep working to kind of close that gap each year. Um, and 
you know, keeping your customer engaged. So I think it's that's that's you may not be able to put a monetary value on that, but you know, from a marketing standpoint, I think that that probably saves you a lot of efforts too. So yeah. So what are some of your like favorite tools? I know you talked about, you know, a few things like BCS earlier, but is there anything that you just love to use for the tunnel and that makes your life just a lot easier by having it? Yeah, it was out of necessity initially where we got the soil steamer because we had actually, we had a drainage issue that we didn't quite appreciate uh, the soil borne diseases that were, you know, taking up residence those first two years until the anemones just died year three. And, you know, we were given the option to either remove all the soil or and bring in new or uh, to sterilize it. So we got lucky. We were able to find a soil steamer up in Vermont and brought that home. So, you know, taking care of those soil diseases was awesome. But getting rid of the the fabric in the rows was great, too, because Mm -hmm. when you run the water under the fabric, it slips. And, you know, we kind of have mounted rows and it was just, I don't know, you'd maintenance you'd step nightmare. on it it would pull and it would you'd see 20 flowers get pulled to the side and mm-hmm. uh it's just mm-hmm. it's been really nice to not have to use that in the high tunnels so now that it's weed free and just magazine quality pictures it's yeah. you know it's yeah. it's a real uh, mood boost every time you walk in there and yeah. see these beautiful weed free flowers yeah helping keep it sterilizes the soil and definitely i know when you guys got it i know he's what's his name stanley yeah, Stanley. I know, <laughs> Stanley Steamer. Yeah, I thought that's what its name was. I thought it had a name. Um, I know it's a little rickety to to pull around to different places, but I know you guys are glad to to have it there. Yeah, there's nice new models out, um, but they're you know quadruple Expensive. the price. So yeah. yeah, 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 for sure. Well, did we miss anything? Did we miss any other tools? Is there anything? Any other tips, advice you'd give to anybody? I don't know. There might be more questions on the steaming so maybe just a clarification on like when that's kind of necessary mm-hmm. yeah I just got like a message this week somebody asking me if we could come like steam their I'm sure you get soil that for like this for a potentially new plot that they're gonna build a high tunnel and I was just like that's not really how it works yeah you know yeah. it's not really what it's needed for yeah <laughs> Yeah. And it's a really big process. It's actually very time consuming to have it happen. Like you don't just get to steam the house and then you're moving it in sections at a time. It takes a lot of time to, to do it, which is why they're so expensive because they really are worth their, worth their investment. But what we're going to do probably, we're going to probably do a spill the dirt on some follow-ups if there's questions to it. And Tracy's going to do a video for us in for the insiders um, as an extra to see those heated space and kind of do like a walk around of our tunnels for us so that we can, you guys can see what it looks like and what that process is for them too. So if you're in the insiders, you can look forward to that to come in as an extra with this, with this episode too. But yeah, I think that was it. I every time, like when I see your photos and I see what you're pumping out, I'm like, man, I could heat. Like, I think I could, I could do this. And then, you know, yeah, life happens. Good. And so I, I probably will at some point, I'll probably bite the bullet and do one. But, and it's it also, it gives your, your employees, like for me, I can have an employees on longer, you know, have them to have more work for them to do too. So sometimes mm-hmm. it's a win-win yeah. for that. So the other thing on high tunnels in general is drainage. I don't know if we, yeah, I mean, got to make sure the drainage is there or um, be ready to put drain tile in because yeah, that was, that almost, that was almost a disaster for us. 
Yeah. Yeah. I luckily got that advice before I put my high tunnels in. Mine are required with my grant. My NRCS is tied to farm service or to soil and water. So soil and water and NRCS and my county, you, they're required to put in with drainage. So we've just, we just do it now. It's, it saved us a, a lot, especially in our lower tunnel. We have a lot of, a lot more drainage issues than we do up top with our sand. So no, I was going to say, how did you all solve your drainage issues? Was was it drain tile or how did how yeah. did that resolve itself? Drain tile. So was it in RCS office? Is that? Yeah. So pretty much year one after we constructed the tunnels, we had standing water, a couple inches of water like in our ranunculus and anemones. Oh so we gosh, knew yeah. that we needed to do something because yeah, mm-hmm. the first sign was the anemones just like started like bending over and I was just like what is going on so I started pulling the plants up and then you know noticed that the roots were like sloughing off so I knew that it was either a pythium or phytophthora root issue so that was what triggered us to uh, bite the bullet and get the steamers because we knew that we were going to be um, growing you know the same crop repeatedly in the same mm-hmm. space you know when you're heating a structure you can't really do crop rotation you know, or you're not utilizing that space well. So yeah, we contacted the NRCS office and they have like elevation maps of like the entire county. To the inch. Yeah. So it was like really an awesome resource and it Mm. helped us figure out how we were going to run drain tile. Um, So they gave us, yeah, they gave us a map and said, here's where your starting point is. Here's where your ending point is. And this is the, like the fall you have for this, you know, 220 foot run or whatever. So when we were basically able to, and we did this project ourselves, but it was like, we knew for every 10 feet, we needed to fall a quarter of an inch sort of thing, which mm-hmm. is, um, you know, luckily I had some brothers that were able to help and, you know, really, really physically intense project, but mm-hmm. I mean, it's been amazing ever since. So we yeah. were able to, you know, put the tile around the tunnels and, um, yeah, put it to the low spot of our property and let gravity drain it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was a, that was a big old project. Significantly harder by the tunnels being too close together. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. None, none of us learned that lesson y'all. So <laughs> listen up. Yeah. Yeah. Space them out people. Space them out. So, well, thank you guys. I appreciate this. Yeah, I appreciate you chatting, and I'm sure we'll get plenty of questions we'll probably have to yeah. follow up with you about, but Where it. can people find you guys on social and on the World Wide Web? Yeah, so um, our website is tracyrayff.com, Tracy, E-Y, Ray, R-A-E, and then um, on Instagram, you can find us at uh, tracyray underscore farmer florist. Very good. Thank you, guys. Okay, guys, thanks for joining us. We're so grateful that you're here with us each week. We really have so much fun recording these things for you. So where we hang out is over on Instagram at Dirt on Flowers. Drop us a comment or message. Tell us what you want to hear more of. We really do get all of these episodes ideas from you. This high tunnel series was because of your guys' suggestions over on Instagram. So we appreciate that so much. Thank you so much for being here. We hope you love today's episode as much as we loved recording it. We'll see you at the same time, same place next week week.